You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Ask the Expert segment for June of 2018. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us this month is Doug Casey. He is uh, best known as a trader, a philosopher, a best-selling author as well. His company, Casey Research, is a leading independent investment research firm, and his newsletter, The Casey Report, is one of the most widely read in the industry. He also publishes a great website uh, that you can find at internationalman, it's all one word, internationalman.com. And one last thing, uh, he will also be a featured speaker at the upcoming Sprott Natural Resources Symposium Next month, July 17th through 20th in Vancouver. So all of that combined makes Doug a great guest. Doug, thank you so much for spending some time with us this month. My pleasure, Craig. Absolutely. And just as a reminder to everybody before we get started, uh, these questions are always provided by Sprott Money customers. It's one of the benefits of being a Sprott Money customer. Uh, you, you, we find out about a month in advance who the guest is, and the Sprott Money customers uh, submit the questions uh, for the guest. Again, that's not the only benefit of being a Sprott Money customer. You also find some of the best precious metals deals in the industry by visiting SprottMoney.com or calling 888-861-0775 at any time. There's always some great deals at SprottMoney.com. Doug, thank you so much for, uh, again, for joining us. If you're ready, I think I might just hit you with question number one. Let's hit it. All right, as we record this, it is Wednesday the 13th, and we are about 45 minutes away from the conclusion of the June FOMC and uh, some kind of announcement from the Fed is what they're doing with uh, Fed funds rate. That's going to have a pretty dramatic impact on the dollar, I would suppose, and really all markets. So the first question deals with the dollar, and, and this person just wanted to know, what is your near-term outlook for the U.S. dollar? And I guess on a Big picture basis, do you see the gold price as an inverse to the level of confidence in the dollar? Oh, it's definitely uh, an inverse indicator of the dollar. But the fact is that I don't pay a lot of attention to the very short term. Now, I trade commodities in my personal account, things like wheat and cattle and cotton, uh, that type of thing. But um, even though I do that, I, I try not to focus on the short term because the chances are excellent. You're just going to whipsaw yourself. Either the market will do it or your own psychology will do it for you. So uh, don't pay much attention to short-term predictions of what's going to happen uh, or what even the Fed is saying or are supposed to be doing uh, because they don't know what they're doing to start with. And a lot of what they say, quite frankly, is misdirection at best. Uh, The long-term fate of the dollar uh, is that it's in competition with the Chinese yuan. Uh, And the yuan is actually on its way long-term to replace the dollar. They're going to come up, I'm pretty confident, with a gold-backed yuan to um, uh, help along their one-road, one-belt scheme where they're investing many trillions of dollars to tie together 60 or 70 countries in Asia and Europe. 
Combine that with a, a trillion dollar current government deficit, and it'll be two trillion or three trillion per year uh, as the economy goes downhill. Uh, I'm very bearish about the long-term future of the dollar. What it's going to do tomorrow morning or next week, I have no opinion. Well, actually, and Doug, I think that's uh, going to lead us right into question uh, number two, uh, because this, by extension, deals with the dollar as well. It says, uh, you have said in the past that uh, the U.S. is in a greater depression. That was the quote. I think that's a term maybe you might have coined yourself. Uh, how did you conclude that? And uh, that's obviously a part of it, you know, if the, that would affect the dollar, too. And what would that mean for the precious metals? Yes, the term of the Greater Depression is, in fact, one that I've coined. And you have to look at that from a historical point of view. Uh, Western civilization itself peaked in 1914, before the First World War. The U.S. peaked somewhat later, uh, let's say in the early 1950s when um, almost all the aircraft, all the vehicles, uh, all the manufacturing in the, uh, in the world were American. Three-quarters of the world's stock market cap capitalization was in the U.S. The U.S. government owned almost all the world's gold. Uh, so that was our peak. And since 1971, we've been going downhill uh, noticeably in terms of the standard of living of the average guy even though the standard of living of the average guy has been buttressed by improvements in science and technology. The Greater Depression, uh, look, I, I think we entered upon uh, that in 2007. And things, uh, look at it, uh, the analogy I use is that of a financial, uh, is that of a hurricane. Uh, we entered it in 2007. We went through the leading edge of this hurricane in seven, eight, nine, uh, part of 10. And the governments of the world, not just the U.S., have created trillions of new currency units that, that have been like pouring oil on the waters. Uh, when are we going to exit the hurricane? I thought we would have exited, uh, gone into the trailing edge of the hurricane several years ago. I've been wrong so far. I thought that we would have had high levels of retail inflation. Um, noticeable levels, high levels of retail inflation. It hasn't happened yet. All that money has gone into the markets so far, giving us a stock market bubble and a bond market hyper bubble, a super bubble. What's going to happen? The government's idiotically trying to go to digital money, a total disaster from the point of view of the individual and the viewpoint of personal freedom. If they succeed with their digital money, uh, they'll be able to track everything you do, everything you own, every place you go. Uh, and they're trying to get rid of cash in the meantime. This all plays into my greater depression scenario. So although I think the long-term future uh, is going to be not only better than we, it's going to be better than we can even imagine, I think we're going to go through um, some really nasty times over the next five or ten years. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I hear you, and I think a lot of folks listening to us probably uh, feel that way, too. You mentioned uh, the long term, though, being better, and so I think question number three is perfectly timed for that, and this is all part of the fun in getting questions from Sprout Money customers, because you never know exactly what they're going to ask, and here's something that's uh, a little off the beaten path. Uh, it says that years ago, 
Uh, this person had seen you speak, and you were very bullish on the future of nanotechnology. And so the question is, can you provide an update on the state of nanotech, and do you have any nanotech-related investment ideas? I don't have any nanotech-related investment ideas, but let me say this. I'm going to say the same thing now that I said when I first wrote about nanotech in 1993 uh, in my book, Crisis Investing for the Rest of the 90s. Uh, nanotech is one of those things that is going to change uh, not just investment markets, but the entire nature of life itself uh, radically, uh, unrecognizably. It, it, it's, it's the biggest thing that's ever happened in u human history. But it's not only nanotech. Uh, there are a number of technologies that are advancing at the rate of Moore's Law. Uh, of course, from a, a long-term historical point of view, you could say that uh, civilization itself has been advancing at the rate of Moore's Law ever since Homo sapiens came on, onto the Earth 200,000 or so years ago. And the rate of change ha has been increasing. So that when we look at computer technology, artificial intelligence, robotics, genetic engineering, nanotechnology, what's happening is that the speed of these development of these things is, excel is accelerating radically. It's like a, a stadium, that a huge stadium, that at the bottom of the stadium, there might be a drop of water. And at first, that drop of water doubles every week. It's not noticeable. Then after a while, it starts doubling after every day. Then it doubles again after every hour. And it still doesn't make any difference because it's only one, two, four, eight drops of water. But at some point, the curve, there's a knee in the curve, and it goes hyperbolic. And we're at about that stage right now. This is something that Ray Kurzweil has written about. Uh, he calls it the singularity. And it seems, with the way things have been accelerating, not just since uh, Moore's Law was crystallized in the 1960s, but going back since uh, the dawn of uh, mankind itself, that within 20 years, uh, that stadium that I referred to, uh, it's going to go from just a sheen of water that you'll see on the field to doubling, doubling, doubling again very, very quickly, and it goes from half full to overfilling the stadium in a matter of seconds. Uh, and that's actually where we are right now uh, in all of those areas, not just nanotech. So it, it, it's a big picture, but this is why I'm so optimistic for uh, the long-term future. All you have to do, quite frankly, is survive another 20 years and magic could happen, yeah. including uh, living for as long as you'd like. So that's a, a real brief nutshell answer to that cosmic question. Very interesting stuff, Doug. All right, let's uh, turn back to the precious metals and to the uh, precious metal miners for a second. The fourth question has to do with, uh, what I guess we call it a gold rush down in Western Australia in the Pilbara region. Uh, this person wanted to know what you think of those theories behind the Pilbara gold rush, and are there any uh, companies based down there that you might recommend? Well, Quentin Hennig's uh, Novo, of course, is the 
go-to company if you're interested in that. Uh, that's basically his deal. Uh, I don't know how to assess it. Uh, maybe it's the next Wits Waters Rand, or maybe it's just a couple of big nuggets that have been found. I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows for sure. Uh, what I do know is this, is that uh, Novo has a market cap of over a billion dollars. Uh, I got involved in it about a year ago in a private placement that I did it, I don't know what it was, was it a dollar? After it quadrupled, I sold it in the warrants. You know, I don't like wildcat plays that are, have market caps of over a billion dollars uh, in a bad market. So um, what's going to happen? If they do find the next Witzwater's Rand, maybe that stock goes from a billion to five billion. Well, that's a nice hit. But um, there's lots of other ways to play this that are lower risk and higher potential at this point. So that's my answer. I don't know. And right now, I don't care. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. I uh, got a couple questions in a row that have to do with the gold market. Uh, GATA and other organizations have provided years of coverage detailing uh, government involvement in gold price suppression. You've stated in the past that you don't believe in gold price suppression. Uh, this person just was wondering why you think that. Look, these GATA people, are they're, they're nice folks. They're sincere folks. They believe in gold. Uh, I'm all for them. They're very nice. But... Uh, they, they really wear tinfoil hats uh, when they start talking about this stuff. Of course, governments want a low gold price uh, because that would indicate that there's no inflation, that there's nothing to worry about economically or financially. But are they suppressing the price of gold? They wanted a lower gold price, but they're not doing anything about it. Look, uh, gold has gone from $35 an ounce to $1,300 an ounce since 1971. Is that successful gold price suppression? They couldn't even suppress the price of gold at $35 an ounce. And that was in a time when there was a lot less gold out there, when the governments owned most of it, and when the governments were much, much economically and financially stronger than they are now. They couldn't suppress it at $35 then. How can they do it now when there's twice as much gold in the world Then they're very weak and so forth? Uh, it's, it's impossible. Entirely apart from that, the fact of the matter is that uh, the people that run these governments really believe their own propaganda. They think that gold is basically just a, a dead asset. It's worthless. It's it's irrelevant. It's ancient history. They're not trying to suppress it. They don't care, in addition to the fact that they can't suppress it for the reasons that I just gave you. In addition to that, why would they want to suppress it if they could? Because the Russians and the Chinese governments have been buying huge amounts of gold for years. Should the U.S. be suppressing the price of gold so that uh, the Russians and Chinese get a bargain in buying it. Uh, the whole thing about gold price suppression is uh, actually quite ridiculous and uh, quite laughable. I tell you what, I think that's a good segue to question six, actually, Doug, uh, as kind of a follow-up in a sense, in that uh, this person phrased it as the FOFOA blog contends this, but I think a lot of other... Uh, websites, my website, other websites contend that uh, the, the entire price model is flawed, the way that it's not really physical that's exchanged to determine the price. It's all these derivatives and forwards and futures and everything else. 
And if that price model is flawed, which I'll let you decide whether it is or not, that gold mining itself, uh, where they're selling their product at that, at that price, is, is kind of a failed business model. Um, anyway, with that as a question, what do you think? Well, I, was, I only discovered the existence of the full follow-up blog uh, earlier today. Uh, look, everybody's got an opinion. Uh, most opinions are worth nothing, uh, probably including my own. This kind of relates back to that question about uh, GATA and gold price suppression. Right. Look, uh, the futures markets uh, are, are for price discovery. And uh, I, I wouldn't worry about uh, a bald-headed guy with a, a white Cassidy spro- stroking trying to manipulate all the world's markets. Nobody can do it. So, so forget about that stuff. I don't, I don't buy it. Uh, but I would like to answer the second part of the question about the gold mining industry. I've been saying for years uh, that uh, the gold mining industry itself is a 19th century choo-choo train business. In an era when, you know, all the smart young guys are playing with things like we were talking about before, artificial intelligence, nanotech, robotics, space exploration. And here the mining industry is still digging around in the dirt with big yellow trucks. Um, It's the worst industry in the world, uh, assuming you find a gold deposit that's economic, which is hard to do, incidentally, for lots of reasons. Your troubles only really start then. You've got to make a billion-dollar investment up front, and, and you'd even start earning your way out of it for maybe five or ten years. And, and then when you do, that's when the NGOs and the greenies and the natives uh, and, and the governments all start attacking you. Uh, it's a horrible industry. So uh, saying that, it's an essential industry. Uh, the only way I care to get involved in it, though, uh, is by uh, trading the paper of the shares as opposed to uh, anything very direct, which will only will cause uh, brain damage. Uh, so having said all of that, right now as we speak, and despite the fact it's a crappy industry, I think right now is the time to uh, be buying the shares of these stocks because they're very, very cheap, mm-hmm. uh, and nobody cares about them. I think that will all change in a few years, when gold starts running to a new manic high. I would think, uh, Doug, you're probably right on. It sure seems to be a, the most unloved sector, that and commodities in general, it seems at this point. Nobody wants to have anything to do with it. Absolutely correct. <clears throat> there are a few exceptions to that. Uh, a, a few metals that are now considered high-tech metals for batteries, things like lithium and vanadium and cobalt, but they're the exceptions. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the commodities are all in the dumpster. Okay. Well, then I think uh, for our final question, again, we've kind of uh, kind of fallen right into the right segue uh, because the final question uh, gives you some categories and lets you kind of allocate between them. They're pretty specific categories, uh, so I just want to see what you think of this. If you question is if you had a hundred thousand dollars to invest today, or you could be a thousand. I mean, we're mainly looking at percentages, I guess. How would you allocate between just these four categories? Physical metal meaning gold and silver, uh, cash just kept in dollars, so I guess stuck in the bank, mining stocks, and cryptocurrencies. Okay, well, I think you used the word invest uh, someplace along the line yep. of talking about how we'd al- allocate this. 
And I would respond, Craig, that it, you can't invest in any of those things. All of those things are either savings vehicles or speculation vehicles. An investment is something where you put uh, a dollar someplace and it enables the production of more new wealth so that the next year you can predictably and with reasonable risk have a dollar ten and let it compound. That's investing. Excellent point. But uh, gold is a savings vehicle. It's the only financial asset that's not simultaneously somebody else's liability. It's a savings vehicle. Sometimes you can use it as a speculation. Cryptocurrencies, uh, it's still too early in the game to tell. Uh, savings vehicle, yeah, for people in third world countries where they can't save their worthless local currencies or dollars easily, yeah, savings vehicle, mainly a speculative vehicle. Mining stocks, pure speculative vehicle. Don't dare save with them. So how would I allocate these things? Since these are basically all savings or speculative vehicles, look, put half your money in gold bullion so that you've got an asset that's not going to dry up and blow away. And at this moment, as we speak, uh, I, I think that uh, the cryptocurrencies are moving into a buying area again, uh, just because of the way I feel about the dollar. And I think that mining stocks are definitely a buy right now. Now, you know, this is a, a prediction. Everybody can make a prediction. Everybody's got an opinion. But that's just kind of the way I read the markets at the moment. Subject to change tomorrow morning, unfortunately. Well, I tell you, it's very insightful stuff. And, and what you mentioned about are you investing, are you speculating, I, I think that's something everybody needs to remember. Again, we've been speaking this month with Doug Casey. If you want to uh, get more from Doug, you want to meet Doug in person, he will be at the Sprott Natural Resources Symposium July 17th through 20th in Vancouver. This is a great warm-up for that. Doug, thank you so much for your time. Well, my pleasure. I'll also mention, if I may, Craig, that sure. I'll be at... Um... I'll be at uh, Freedom Fest in That's Las right. Vegas uh, just before I go to Vancouver for Sprott. I can plug that, Both too. I've been there. I went there a couple years ago just as an attendee. It was terrific. It's terrific. A lot of fun. Yeah. Great it's, speakers. It's old, home week for, old home week for libertarians. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, I agree. It's great fun. Well, again, Doug, thank you so much for your time and uh, safe travels as you go through the summer. Okay. Let's uh, pleasure talking to you we can do this again sometime in the future and from all of us here at sprout money news and sprout thank you for listening we'll talk to you again next month